General Kwan? Yes. Yes, yes. Well, if you've searched the south side, search the north. There is an agent somewhere near this base, and I want him found. Now. Oh, General Kwan, I've already told you. It's only Marina. She's no spy, I promise you. She's my friend. Yes, yes, of course. How old are you, little boy? Um, 33. Are you English? Yes, I'm afraid so. And what are you doing here? Well, the same reason Marina and I go everywhere, really, to ask people to press the big red button on the randomizer. We really didn't mean to land in your base. Unfortunately, our eagle crashed somewhere out in the jungle, but luckily we were both able to eject just in time. And I suppose you arrived in that canister my men found? The escape canister, yes. Yes, there was just enough room inside mine for me and the randomizer. I just wish I knew where Marina's had landed. I hope she's okay. We shall find your colleague, and now I will ask a guard to lock you in a room. Of course, but before you ask a guard to lock me in a room, could I persuade you to perhaps press the button on the randomizer for me? It would give me something to watch while I'm locked in a room. Oh, yes. This is a brilliant achievement. I congratulate you. Oh, thank you. I'm glad you approve. I only hope we land on something that's a bit different this week, because we've been having a run of fairly similar shows lately. So, let's see what we've got today. It's... Oh. Read that. Are you absolutely certain? Yes, I'm afraid. It's another episode of Joe 90. A western little boy. Yes, yes. And even I might be getting a bit weary of this by now were it not for the fact that this is actually one of my favourite episodes. Here's Double Agent. Well, if you didn't already know that uh, it was Joe's 50th this year, he's certainly making his presence known on the randomizer, isn't he? And uh, again, this is not planned. It uh, It's just the way it goes. I have actually gone back and checked, though. I, I did put all of the episodes of of Thunderbirds and of UFO and of everything else in there. Um, this is purely genuinely random that uh, with this episode we are now five episodes down on Joe 90 out of 30. It's a whole sixth of the series when we haven't even seen some of the other shows yet. Anyway, right. we'll talk about this episode. This episode is perhaps the uh, the most realistic that the, uh, the whole spy organisation side of this show got. And uh, that's demonstrated quite well in this opening, I think. It's ex extremely dark, where we have this uh, win agent being trailed by these uh, two baddies. And this lovely shot here, which can't have been easy to do, of the two cars uh, drawing level with each other, not just on the models stage, but on the, the puppet stage. We have a puppet in each car looking... Oh... I'm just sorry. I'm, I was I was distracted for a moment there. I was looking for a hole on the roof where the uh, for the strings, and there isn't one. So again, these are under control puppets, and I I didn't know that. Uh, I assumed that under control puppets were only made for the main characters and regular characters, like, you know, in the angels in their the cockpit of their, their fighters. Um, but this win agent and the baddies both seemed to be stringless puppets, unless I've got that wrong. No, no, there's definitely a, a, a ceiling on those cars for, for no strings to come through. That's interesting. And another good example of how uh, 
how cheap life is in this show as uh, this win agent is dead uh, bleeding from his head and his wrist uh, and unfortunately for the bad guys the win agent is not the only one who has died they've snatched his case however I love that I love how brutal that is it's like there's not even any build up to that it's just you're dead, blown to bits. Now going back to uh, how many Joe 90 episodes we've covered on the randomizer, to, uh, to quote Dr. Tiger Einstein, I have a theory. And my theory is that we're only getting so many Joe 90 episodes because people keep slagging him off. In previous podcasts, uh, and in the comments left on those podcasts and on the Fab Live show, people are saying, oh, burn Joe 90. Well, I suspect Joe 90 is rather like, um, what was it, the Candyman? What's that, that um, horror character where you look in the mirror, say his name three times at midnight or whatever, and then he appears? I think that's what, what Joe 90 is doing on the randomizer. You know, Chris Packham, no, Jamie offered Chris Packham the chance to destroy one of the shows. He chose Joe 90, and the randomizer is responding by giving him as much Joe 90 as he can handle. That's my theory. And what it is too. Look, I've been in the special courier section for 18 years, head of it for the past seven. And if you're saying that one of my boys is a traitor, you can have my resignation right now. No one's calling for resignation. Okay, so here we have uh, something that's uh, always very obvious in both Jerry Anderson shows and other shows of this era. I can't believe anyone in my department is a double agent. We bring in a new character for this one episode who evidently is extremely important to the organization. I'm taking it myself. Think again. The mission's off. But chief. And of course, he turns out to be a traitor. I don't think I'm spoiling anything here by saying that uh, this guy is a traitor. And what's also interesting about this episode is that it marks the return to Joe 90 of Jeremy Wilkin. Uh, Jeremy Wilkin had been. Oh, Professor? Yes, yes oh. I'm sure you're right, Mrs. Harris. Right. Um, okay, I'll hold off on that for a moment. As with Arctic Adventure, the scene with Mrs. Harris in Arctic Adventure, Mac is once again reading the newspaper, Astronaut News, Red Arrow Flight Tragedy, Colonel Casey to be replaced. And what's interesting is, aside from the fact that in the Joe 90 universe, this disaster has happened twice in a row, the way he's holding the paper makes it obvious that... I'll have a word with Joe and Mrs. Harris. Yes. There are two copies of that cover. You can see uh, page three instead of a, uh, I don't know, some beautiful puppet lady, as you, you might possibly... Ex oh, no, not of the astronaut news. That wouldn't be in there. Um, regardless, page three of this newspaper is the same as page one of this newspaper. You haven't added clairvoyancy to your other talent. Anyway, going back to Jeremy Wilkin, uh, he had... Obviously, he was uh, voice of Virgil Tracy on Thunderbirds, Captain Oker in Captain Scarlet. He disappeared uh, a few episodes before the end of Captain Scarlet. He did two early episodes of Joe 90, being Operation McLean and International Concerto, which were episodes four and five. And then he disappeared again until episode 13. I don't know what he was working on that uh, kept him away for a while. Patterns were recorded while he was in my office, but his cover might be broken. And also, this was the point when Martin King left the show. We'll soon be there. Smell that sea air. Yes, reminds me of home. But I thought you were brought up in the mountains, Chief. That's right, in the Sierra Nevadas. Uh, Sierra. Oh. 
see air uh, <laughs> you get it <laughs> oh yes chief very sharp again i've said it before i love shane weston i i think in the hands of a lesser actor than david healy this could have become extremely annoying the uh the bad sense of humor but and i just have a feeling he was that way in real life even though i i never uh, met the man um i just get the impression this this was probably right up his, his alley. He probably thought these were very entertaining jokes in their own right anyway. Now, Joe, listen carefully. This is the new type dispatch case adapted by the lab boys. It contains a trigger mechanism and enough plastic explosive to blow this whole place to pieces. <laughs> Speaking of enough explosive to blow the whole place to pieces, Joe seems extremely happy. He's wearing a smiling face at the thought of explosives. Right, Joe. But I'm looking at this shot. Why is there a sofa in the lab? I know they need it for... For scenes like this, but why is it positioned in such a way that people are able to watch Joe as he's having his brain brain patterns put in? It's, uh, it's quite odd. Good luck, Joe. Bon voyage. And there is London Airport, as seen in Thunderbirds. Uh, no sign of the fire flash, but uh, it's unmistakably Thunderbirds stock footage. And what? What makes it stand out all the more is uh, it doesn't fit with the, the rest of the airport that we, we saw just there. But he was supposed to take a flight direct to Tehran. Well, that's what I thought. I assumed he had instructions to go by another route in case he was being followed. What instructions? You were at the briefing. Who mentioned Paris? Well, let's not panic. There's probably a simple explanation. Get me world intelligence, Paris. So Joe has now gone rogue. Oh, um, Paris Airport looks suspiciously like... Hang on, hang on. Okay, Paris Airport seems to be comprised entirely of shots from previous episodes. Uh, the plane that you just heard take off there with Joe aboard um, and Symphony Angel sat behind him, in fact. Uh, that's from Splashdown. But the airport was... Uh, Slayton Air Base from Treble Cross with uh, a, a, a loudspeaker from Winged Assassin, uh, both from Captain Scarlet. And I suppose it, it made sense at this point. They had enough old material that they could draw on to, to create an airport that didn't exist there. It was quite interesting. But with your son carrying that case, the situation is explosive. Literally explosive. Hmm. Maybe it's a bad idea, firstly, to put explosives into these cases, and secondly, to give it to a nine-year-old boy. I mean, I get... I get that the, the whole idea is that nobody would ever suspect him. However, there have got to be limits to what you can trust him with. Not that I'm casting any aspersions on, on Joe's integrity or anything. Look, Mac, understandably, you were always against Joe working for World Intelligence. What are you driving at, Sam? I really Would like these scenes the of uh, Mac and Sam and Shane arguing. So that's what you've been thinking. Well, I've had my own thoughts on the subject. About, about where Joe has gone. Firstly, because it gives Rupert Davies and Keith Alexander and Sh uh, Shane... I nearly said Shane Rimmer. It's not Shane Rimmer, it's David Healy playing Shane Weston. Uh, apparently straightforward the chance to really show off their acting chops, a dispatch case to the East which in a kid's show you wouldn't necessarily expect for them to get. At the last but also it kind of harkens back to... Are you accusing us of sending Joe on a highly dangerous assignment without your permission? The thought had crossed my mind. Oh, to the central conflict 
that um, was never really an integral part of this show, but it is one of those things that occurs to you in hindsight. Sure that they don't fall into enemy hands. How willing Mac was to let Joe join up, he basically said, you know, don't come crying to me if you get hurt. That's the level of concern that he's he's uh, expressing for his son. And it's nice to see that although he genuinely does care, there is that element of conflict between the three, the three main characters. It's a red priority order to all win agents. Shoot target on sight. Are you trying to tell me that Joe is the target? Those ciphers must not fall into enemy hands. The target is Joe 90. I love that. I love that potential child murder is now another horrifying aspect that we need to add to all the other horrifying aspects of this show. And the fact that if this story had gone off in a different direction, um, if any of the WIN agents in Copenhagen had managed to track Joe down, they would have had to have killed him. Nine-year-old boy, child murdering. Ah, this is so messed up. Oh, it's, um, it's beautiful. It's sick, but it's beautiful. I love it. Anyway, Joe has now made his way to Copenhagen. Um, You've got to get that C-48 cancelled. You heard me speak to Washington Mac. There's nothing I can do. Well, get him on the line again. I'll speak to them. I'd like to have heard that conversation. <laughs> yeah, I, uh... You mustn't kill my son because uh, it's not his fault. I did experiments on his brain. That's why he's behaving like this. It's fine, really. Oh. Anyway, Joe has now uh, delivered the dispatch case to uh, Dr. Newman in Copenhagen. All right. Take the seahorse. We're not supposed to know uh, who's on the other end of that line, but it's pretty obvious. And uh, I'm remembering for some reason, and I'm, I'm not sure why I remember. This oh, scene Ash. with Joe you and Dr. Newman in uh, now, in the office together the, uh, uh, appeared on Telly Addicts, um, which, if you don't know, was an early 1990s uh, BBC um, TV-related quiz show. I'm not sure why that scene was chosen, but never mind. Sam, we've got to do something. Of course we've got to do something. The question is what? Panic! Look, let's go over this again. Oh, okay, rehash the, uh, the already established details. Well, we've got time. Send out on all stations alert for Harry Sloan. Contact me the moment This is almost... And I, I realise I'm probably going to... Uh, to ruffle some feathers by saying this. This is almost basically a grown-up show at this point. Um, Joe is, although he's in it, although he's technically the star of the show, uh, he himself hasn't really done or said much in this episode. But the, the scenes in Shane's office, it feels extremely grown up. And what other kids shows can you think of would, uh, would include discussions about murdering a child? It's all very strange. You were right about Sloan, Professor. He requisitioned a helijet. A radar fix puts him five miles offshore, heading out into the English Channel. Oh, and he was so trustworthy. We, we've known him for so many uh, minutes of this episode. How could he have betrayed us? Yeah, it never works uh, when you try to pull that trick. I think we'll take a few shortcuts. Yeah, this is cool. This is very cool. I do... Um, I'm not a huge fan of the jet air car, but I do like seeing it flying about the place. 
especially going over the, the sea here uh, after the the seahorse that's being flown by uh, the Captain Brown puppet. Even though they, it appears they've taken a, a detour through the desert. I'm sure that's meant to be the, the beach or something, but it looks like a, a desert from a later episode. However, Shane Weston is... Uh... You uh, all right back there, Chief? Yeah, I guess I'm fine. I like the way that Shane Weston gets airsick in the same way that uh, uh, David Healy characters in Captain Scarlet would say that uh, they were all right when they were in fact Mysterons. It was delivered in exactly the same tone of voice that. Yeah, I love seeing the, the jet air car skimming across the surface of the water, just lightly touching the, the waves. Uh, there's also really nice... I, I really like this helijet model, uh, the seahorse. I'm not sure what it is about it, but it's, uh, it might be the fact that it has an angry face. Uh, that certainly makes it rather endearing. And here's a sh there was a, sh a shot just then of uh, Mac and Sam in the jet air car, and they weren't saying anything to each other. They were just, it was just holding on a very slow zoom of Mac's face, and Sam was looking at him, and After you can you? see through the, no. the expressions on the puppet's After faces, and you. knowing how strong the performances of those characters are, Oh, Joe's just been smacked in the face and lost his glasses. But it almost doesn't need any dialogue. We know these characters so well. And uh, now Joe is being shot at. He has not got his glasses on, so he... Oh, he's going to have a he's going to have a go. He's going to shoot back anyway. I'm not sure if uh, if this show could get any darker with uh, the good guys being told they have to murder the child, and now the baddies are trying to murder the child, and. Uh, Said child has just had the gun shot out of his hand. Um, I hope they're not going to uh, to show blood or anything. Oh, the Joe puppet looks very defeated. Nevertheless, the bad guys have now got the cipher case. Are making their escape. Um, and I love that shot of the the heady jet. Um, Pulling away uh, for, from underneath, it looks so good. And the cockpit is a really nice set as well. I, I just love this vehicle. I, I wish I could have a toy of it. Please make a toy of it, somebody. Well, they went to a lot of trouble to get the dispatch case. All in vain. Detonating now. <laughs> I can't believe Sam Luver just has a button to kill the bad guys by remote control. That's so ghoulish. Control destruct system, Sam. You could have exploded that case at any time. That's right, Mac. But despite what you may think, we consider Joe to be our most special agent. I second. And that. rather than attempt to Joe track Nike, down the uh, the real masterminds behind this uh, courier smashing operation, we instead murdered Harry Sloan, the one guy who could have told us everything we needed to know, presumably. However, Harry Sloan is dead. Uh, he will not be mourned. However, we have also reached the end of Double Agent. And I really like that one. Um, it's something a bit different. Who wrote this? Tony Barwick, of course. If it's different, it comes from Tony Barwick. Um, and it's another really good example of the, the dark extremes that this show would go to, especially with you know, orders to kill Joe. It's like, good grief. How much more, how much more do you, you want to... Oh, it's, it's perfect. I just, I love it. Every time you think this show 
has gone as dark and and uh, unexpectedly twisted as you think it can go. It's just like, oh no no, we can get we can get even darker. It's beautiful. Uh, and some really nice acting work, as always, from uh, Rupert Davies, Keith Alexander, and David Healy. Um, it almost makes me wish that there was, like... No, I was going to say, it almost makes me wish that there was a proper Jerry Anderson spy series. But there is a proper Jerry Anderson spy series. This is that series. It's absolutely wonderful. But maybe we could uh, do without some Joe for a while, okay? <laughs> 